0: Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast that contains adult language and can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Forget facts. Forget
0: logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> My parents have been split for as long as I can remember. My mom lived in Connecticut, and I spent the majority of my time with her while visiting my dad in Pennsylvania. This story I'm about to share involves many years of experiences that took place every time I tried to sleep in my room there. I was in second grade. My dad and stepmom were having a baby and had bought a new big house. It was a nice place. Brand new, my room was just how I wanted it. Blue walls, a Boston Red Sox banner, and so many posters from various movies and video games. It was a dream come true. Yet that dream was going to become a nightmare. My dad put a family heirloom in my room. It was an antique, a big fancy dresser with a huge octagon-shaped mirror in the center with many pillars surrounding the mirror. It started off normal, but slowly, every night I would hear it. A constant ticking coming from the dresser. At first I thought nothing of it, but whenever I would ignore it, it would get louder and louder. It would make me feel all hot and tingly. I don't know how to explain it. But to stop it, I covered my entire head with my sheets while covering my ears. This wasn't enough, because in fourth grade, it continued and continued. One day I ran to my dad and stepmom and I was screaming and crying about the ticking and how something is wrong in that room. Nobody really cared. My dad shook the dresser and said, Like that? I nodded, only for him to say, That's when planes fly over, the whole house does it. I accepted his answer, but... Looking back now, why would a plane fly over every night constantly? I started to feel scared when, in that room, even during the day. It was that dresser, that fucking mirror. Something was wrong. Then that night, that I'll remember forever, came. I was having a horrific nightmare. The nightmare contained what looked like a long hallway with a white plastic chair at the end. It was dark. I closed my eyes, then opened them. I could see what looked like an outline or something of someone forming in this thick black smoke as the hallway was engulfed in a smelly smog. I closed my eyes again, then opened them, and it forms into a person. The fog outline is a fucking person. Its eyes are open, and they look like red mirrors. Headlights on a country road or something. It smiles, and then I hear the words, It's time. Back in reality, I frantically shoot up out of my bed, and I think I hear a clock chiming. But we don't have a clock. I feel weird. I can't feel my bed underneath me, only to realize that I'm facing the mirror while sitting on my bed sideways. The problem was that I couldn't see my reflection. Only the room. But not just any room. It was a hallway. It was the hallway with that damn plastic white chair. And then it faded to black. Something started to form in that chair. Then it faded to black again. I was frozen in fear and then I saw him. The person the shadow man in the mirror. I see him fully illuminated, his eyes, those pink, reddish pupils. He's short, and he has this toothy, cartoon-like grin. He also has claws. I see the full hallway now, the white chair set on the wood flooring while the walls were covered with wallpaper that was blue and yellow diamonds, kind of like stars. There was a window high up on the wall above the chair where the person was sitting. It was storming outside on his end. There was thunder, lightning, and rain. Yet for me, it was silent. The creature gets up out of the chair. It smiles, and I hear the clock. I scream for my dad and bolt to the door. I always sleep with my door open, but this time it's shut. I rip it open as it feels like air or some kind of wind is trying to keep it shut. I run down the hallway, which feels even longer than before. My dad gets up and I'm screaming at him about the man in the mirror. He lays with me as my stepmom goes to investigate with a flashlight. I sleep with them for the rest of the night. Fast forward to my next visit with my dad. He and my stepmom have renovated my whole room with new furniture. I was so happy to see that that dresser with that forsaken mirror was gone. The ticking never started again. But nobody is ever really gone. Fast forward to 2020. COVID had gotten really bad and it was the 4th of July. I have a nightmare where I'm in this void. There's this bald man there. I've been suffering with anxiety due to lockdown and my health. The man and I circle each other like predators and prey getting ready to fight. He tells me that I'm nothing and I need to kill myself. I shake my head and I tell him to fuck off. He smirks and mutters, You can't stop this now. I wake up crying and probably cry until morning. I'm sleep-deprived and messed up for the rest of the day while everyone is grilling corn and eating crab legs. I tell my dad about the experience, and he convinces me it's just a nightmare. Now bear with me as we fast forward to now. I live with my mom here in Connecticut for good. My dad and I had a falling out from his emotional abuse. I talked to a therapist about my anxiety along with my mom's friend who is a church pastor. Somehow, I'm telling him this story about what I've called the Mirror Man. He tells me he's heard of things like this before. He helped a woman stop her dreams of being suffocated and removed a haunted clock from her home. He told me that what I encountered that night in fourth grade was indeed a demon, and it was using the mirror as a portal from another world. Hey, I believe it. I'm no skeptic to this stuff. I know what I saw, that primal fear and sense of danger and dread. Now before you say anything, it wasn't sleep paralysis. I was fully awake and moving. I went over this again and again in my head, trying to rack my brain for details to write into the show, as I've loved listening, and you've even brought up the ticking furniture and other stories. So to quote another podcast, Mirror Man, let's not... Meet.
1: This story takes place in the mid nineties in Seattle, Washington. It was 1997, to be exact. I was 20 years old, married to my first husband, and living with a bunch of roommates. We were a bunch of punk kids living in an older home in a nice middle-class neighborhood. This house had a rotating list of roommates over the couple of years that I was there, but at the time, it was me and my spouse, Tim, another couple, Mallory and Kevin, a single guy named Chad, and our friend, Ben, Ben lived in the basement garage area. The rest of us lived on the main level. At this point, I'll give a layout of the house because it's important. This house was primarily a single-story home with a nice-sized front porch, but of course we made it ugly with a brown plaid couch from the 70s and with all of our overflowing ashtrays and recycling. The front yard was extremely small, but we had a good-sized backyard. The house was set on a main through fare in Seattle, so traffic was constant. Our front steps were only about 10 to 15 feet from the sidewalk and curb. We were only separated from our neighbors by a few feet on the sides. Like I said, the house was a single-story home, but it also had this weird full-sized basement garage area. The doors were these old wooden garage doors that opened outward instead of up and down. They were rickety and broken, but could close fully if jiggled enough. Ben lived in the primary garage section. It had a lot of junk from old roommates, was fairly large, and he had set up a section for his drums, a bed, records, and his stereo, which was set on milk crates. There were two other unused rooms in the back of this area, but no bathroom. On the main level, the front door opened to the living room, which was a sort of old open floor plan with a small kitchen. A door went off the back of the kitchen into a strange hallway, which led into a mud room in the back with a small storage room to the left and our back door straight through the mud room. Off the living room and kitchen area was an arched door that led into the hallway, which was parallel to the living room, if that makes sense, and the bedrooms were off of it. Also, during this time, our front door was not being used due to its doorknob being broken. We were all waiting for one of the other roommates to fix it and, being in our early 20s, we just let it go for a while. We had some bicycles, snowboards, and other random items propped against it to keep it closed. Amazingly, no one broke into our house during this time. Because of this, we had to use the back door, which meant walking in between our house and our neighbor's. This strip was only a few feet wide and the length of the house. There was also a wooden fence we had to unlatch to reach the backyard and therefore the back door. The night of this story, Ben, Mallory, Kevin, and myself were the only people home. Mallory and Kevin were already in bed. So this night, I was down in the garage hanging with Ben, hotboxing cigarettes and listening to hardcore punk records. We were generally just sitting around and chatting. I used to stay up quite late then because my spouse would come home from his fast food job at around midnight or 1 in the morning. Later if they had a delivery or he just decided to hang out with his co-workers. I also was just young and often stayed up late. So we were all sitting around and I look up to the flip clock next to a stereo. Noting it was one twelve in the morning, I still remember it to this day. It reminded me that I had to go into my job during the early shift the next morning. I usually closed at the video store, but had decided to trade shifts with the coworker. I muttered out a few curses and said my goodbyes to Ben. He shrugged and said that he was going to wait up for Tim. I walked out of the garage doors, up our driveway, through the front yard, and around the side of the house to head to the back door. Remember, our front doorknob was broken. When I was walking between the houses... I stopped and looked down because I saw something shiny and reflective in the grass. I remember looking down and seeing a pair of scissors laying in the grass. Wondering why they were outside, I squatted in the dark to get a better look and to make sure my brain wasn't making things up. If someone dropped them, I would just pick them up and take them inside. I just remember being confused as to why a pair of scissors were just laying in our side yard. However, when I squatted down, that's the last thing I remember. I don't remember passing out or anything. I just remember seeing the scissors and then coming to, still squatting and looking straight up at our neighbor's upstairs window. I don't think I was looking at anything specific, but it's just where my line of sight was resting with my head leaning way back. I got a little freaked out because I didn't know what happened between seeing the scissors and coming to with my head looking up. I got up, a little out of it and confused, and continued walking through the side fence and to the back door. I was a little disoriented and bothered from coming to and the confusion, but I figured I just needed to get some sleep before my shift the next day. I walked in through the mudroom, through the weird back hallway, and into the kitchen. We had one of those old in-wall ovens with another flip clock on the face, which we used, so it was always set. When I looked up at the clock going to my room, it read 3.29 a.m. Remember, I left Ben's room in the garage at approximately 1.12 a.m. It takes, at most, one to two minutes to walk from the garage area to the back door, if that. The realization dawned on me that I had been squatting outside in our side yard for over two hours. What. The. Fuck. Immediately, my brain was looking for rationalizations. Oh, the clock must be wrong. Maybe the power went out at some point. I continued to my room and looked back at our alarm clock. It read 3.30am. I rummaged in my backpack for my plastic wristwatch. 3.30am. What was I doing for over two hours, squatting in the grass? Completely confused, tired, and irritated, I laid down on our floor futon, which was our bed, and attempted to sleep. I didn't even bother to take off my clothes or turn off the light. Between finding my watch and lying down, I began hearing metal clinging sounds in my head. I knew that they were in my head and not external. It was like when you have a bad throbbing headache, but the throbbing has been replaced with silverware being hit together and scraped across pots and pans. There was also a constant low, dull hum. It was driving me crazy. I have no idea how long I laid on the bed, trying to sleep, but at some point, I heard the floor creaking outside our bedroom door. Figuring it was Tim finally returning from work, I slid over to the door and opened it. Nothing. No one. I went back to the bed and then heard it again, but there was still nothing. No one was in the hallway. This happened four or five times, but I eventually stopped checking. The last time, after ignoring the creak, I heard my name. Melanie. 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 The call became louder each time. I finally looked up to see Ben standing in the doorway, looking down at me. He asked, are you okay? With a look of concern on his face. See, Ben was a pretty apathetic guy. He didn't really show a lot of emotion on his face, but looking up at him at that moment, he had furrowed brows and wore a look of complete confusion. I mumbled out a slow, yeah, I think. He took a couple of steps into the room and sat down on the futon. He asked me if I was sure, but I played it off like I didn't feel well. However, he then proceeded to ask if I had been waiting up for Tim this whole time. I told him that I had just come into the house and had gone to bed just a little while before he came to the bedroom door. Um, no you didn't. You came up to the house a few hours ago, Ben said with those furrowed, concerned brows. He asked me, once again, if I was okay. Knowing I would sound crazy if I told him what happened, I told him that I had a bad headache and that I must have been asleep and confused about the time. He seemed to accept that and then asked if Tim was home or if he'd called. I told him that he probably stayed over to hang out with co-workers or went out to the 24-hour cafe we all regularly frequented in the late evening, early morning hours. I asked Ben if he'd come up earlier and was walking around the house and mentioned that I heard the floor creaking. He told me he hadn't, and that he had something to ask Tim, and came up to the house to see if he was home, and had noticed my light was on. He had just come up, so it wasn't him that I heard walking in the hallway. After that, he said goodnight, and left to get something in the kitchen, and went back to the basement. A little after that, Tim came home. I was still freaked out about losing time, so I told him what had happened, He was really into weird phenomena like that at the time, so he was really interested and asked me a bunch of questions I couldn't answer. We then went to bed, and I never had an experience quite like that again. I think about this experience often. I'm now in my 40s and a very logical person. I've had many strange experiences throughout my life, but I do think it is presumptuous to assume to know what they are or to name the phenomena. Most of those experiences could have logical explanations if I thought hard enough. Maybe this one could too. However, when I go through the whole scenario, everything that was said, everything I did, I can't come up with an answer for losing those two to three hours while I was outside. It was one of the strangest experiences in my life.
0: Hey fellas, I've told this on another podcast, but I never really got an answer for it. So, let me start by saying that all my life, I've had a very good memory, I still do. I remember a lot. No, it's not photographic, but it is just really good. I'm saying this because these events happened from the age of one to around six. Yeah, I know it sounds like bullshit, but just keep listening. So we were pretty poor. We grew up in the ghetto in Columbus, Ohio, and we lived on Oak Street in this duplex. We lived in a top unit, and our neighbor, who I'll call Josie, and her two sons lived underneath us. The way that the duplex was set up, the entrance had no lock. You could walk in, and then to the left and underneath the stairs was our neighbor Josie while we lived upstairs and to the right of the stairs. So, one of the things that I remember very clearly is getting a toy robot for my birthday when I turned one or two years old. I remember every detail about this robot. It was a red, black, and yellow robot that had a light on its chest, and if you pushed the buttons, smoke or steam would come out the top of its head. I'm the type of person who wakes up to a pin drop. It can be very annoying. In the middle of the night, I can't really say what time it was because I couldn't actually tell time yet. I heard this noise. I got up and looked out of my crib and I saw the robot making noises and steam coming out of the top of its head. No way I could have pushed the button because I didn't know how to get out of my crib at that time. I remember crying pretty loud and my mom running into the room. She was pregnant with my younger brother. I saw it shut off as she looked down at it. She put me back down to bed and took the robot out of my room. I never saw it again. A few years later, my brother and I were playing outside of the duplex. We started in the front yard for obvious reasons because it was the hood. My brother and I were playing pretend, most likely Power Rangers, when it started to get very dark. There was a storm coming. Now, we know that we shouldn't play outside and get wet. My parents weren't home at the time, as they were working, and we were just hanging out with Josie until they got home. So as we're heading back into the house, the entrance door suddenly slams shut. When we tried to open it back up, The damn thing was locked. Now remember I said there was no lock. My brother and I are pushing and twisting on the handle as hard as we can to get this damn door to open. But it's not happening. Meanwhile, the storms are getting stronger and we see lightning at this point. We're freaking out because we're around four or five and storms are very scary. Finally, we say let's kick at it. At the same time, we take a few steps back and we both land a kick on this thing at the same time. The door finally creaked open as if someone were holding it and just let go at the end of our kick. I know that it wasn't Josie playing a prank because when we got back in, we found her sleeping while taking a bath. She didn't do this often, so don't worry. Her two kids were at school at the time because they were a little older than us so we had no clue how it happened. Now for the final part. We're about five or six now. We got in trouble for some reason and were told to stand in the corner of our parents' room while Dad showered. The way the room was set up, you would walk into my parents' room. To the left was their bed and off to the right was a floor lamp and straight ahead after walking in was the bathroom, then the aforementioned corner was just to the left of our parents' bed where my brother and I were told to stand. So we're standing there in the corner, and all of a sudden we felt like we were falling. Now the floors of this duplex are all hardwood floor, but when we looked down, it was as if the floor had turned to quicksand. As children do when encountering crazy shit, we screamed and cried. No, we didn't leave the corner because we didn't want an ass whooping. It was the early 90s. And my dad, being very pissed off, opened the door and asked what the hell we were screaming about. When he looked over at us, all he said was, Shit! He jumped over the bed and pulled my brother and I out of the corner. He laid us on the bed and told us to go to sleep. He then went back to taking his shower. And he never said anything about it. I'm 36 now and I ask my dad if he remembers what happened. No, he said. He didn't remember. And then he laughs a bit. My brother cuts him off and goes, I remember that shit. It was scary. My question is, how is it that my brother and I remember these details so vividly, but my dad, who was older, obviously doesn't remember any of it? I would think seeing your children sinking into the damn floor would be pretty significant, but he swears he doesn't remember it at all.
1: this happened a few months ago. I work as a nurse and started a new job 45 minutes away at a nursing home that pays well and has the shift I want. The shift I normally work is weekend doubles, evening and overnight, totaling about a 16 hour shift. I had just gotten out of work at around 2am. I was dead on my feet but felt well enough to drive. The way I go home has a lot of twists and turns. I travel by the lake and love the water, so this helps me stay awake, along with playing an audiobook. I was about halfway home when I noticed a bright light coming from the woods, like a spotlight. I continued on a little bit farther, still in the wooded area and towards where the light was coming from, on the side of the road where the night before I saw a hit deer was what looked to be a very thin man with skin-tight black clothes kneeling over the deer with his back towards me. I thought he looked weird, but I forgot my glasses at work and my eyes were starting to blur. The spotlight was coming from the woods and was pointing towards this man. I remember thinking about the light, wondering how this person got their vehicle through the woods. But again, I was basically dead. I tried to pause my audiobook, but my touch screen wasn't working on my stereo. I slowed my car down, nearly stopping. The man starts to move from the deer. I rolled down my window and asked, Is everything okay? Need any help? Not really looking at him though. I thought that maybe it was a different deer and he had hit it. I'm about 15-20 to 20 feet in front of them. My car is stopped at this point. I'm still trying to get my book to stop. My touchscreen radio still isn't working, so I pick up my phone and stop the book. I really look towards the man after looking away from my phone and realize that he or she really isn't human. I froze. It stood up and faced me. The head was huge, like how they describe aliens to be with huge black eyes. Except it's tall, not a tiny little thing like they show on TV. It starts walking towards my car. I can't breathe. I can't move. I felt like I couldn't even think. Everything just felt like it froze. I heard a voice that wasn't mine. It sounded like it was just in my head, but I heard it say, Sleep. I blinked and then it was gone, along with the deer. I looked at my clock and it was almost 4am. My car is in park now and I'm pulled over with no memory of doing so. My window is still down. I look at my phone, which is still in my hand. I open it and my book is still paused in the same place. I tried to call my sister, but she didn't answer. So I called my job. They answered. I asked about my glasses and eventually told my co-worker I fell asleep and wanted to talk to someone so it didn't happen again. She stayed on the phone with me until I got home. I wouldn't call this an abduction, but rather an encounter and an incident of lost time. Also, I have never fallen asleep driving before or without meaning to. I don't have any sort of insomnia or ever experience any vivid dreams. I am so uncool. I never drink, do drugs, or anything interesting. I'm also used to working late hours. I don't think I fell asleep, but I pretend I did, just so I don't go insane. I haven't told anyone about this. It scares me just thinking about it. So are we talking
0: about Slender Man or Aliens?
1: You know what? It's funny you mentioned Slender Man because that was my first thought. Just because of how tall that they mentioned that this person was or this entity. When I think of aliens, I think of three foot, four foot tall greys. Not something that's so towering that it seems to be in this story. Like, what, what do you think?
0: Well, he also referred to the entity or whatever it is as wearing black. So that also makes me think of Slenderman or the aliens that we play
1: as in <laughs> Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's like our go-to. It's good camouflage. Yeah. No, Slenderman is really interesting to me because
0: we know that it's a fictional character. It was created on the internet, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Something Awful forms back in the day. I used to frequent right. those. Yeah. Or frequent that form, rather. My
0: favorite theory about Slenderman is the Tulpa effect this is something that kind of has a different meaning than it did back in the day it was like an ancient buddhist mythological body that these buddhists would create that they could put their consciousness into to travel to different dimensions and things like that but what we call a tulpa now is really just like a being that we created with our imagination through intent i guess if a lot of people start to believe in something and it and it comes true. It creates the energy. Oh yeah. So Slender Man, while it is something of fiction on the internet, it could be that so many people believe in Slender Man that Slenderman is now a real thing and it, that could lend itself to any type of being werewolves vampires all these things that people are scared of if there are enough people that believe in them they become true and the tolpa the is created i don't i know we're getting way off track this is getting unrelated to the story but slender it could be slenderman and it could be a Tulpa.
1: yeah it reminds me of the book the power of the subconscious mind. And this has been going around forever. And basically like if you plant good seeds in your little garden of your spirit, good things are going to manifest. If you think negative thoughts, negativity is going to manifest. Yeah. And this is nothing profound or anything like that. However, it kind of ties into this where enough people, if you believe in something, Mm -hmm. it's going to manifest some way, somehow, whether if it's in your mind, these visions or in this case perhaps a an entity right in front of your face like uh, that's not too off base in my opinion it
0: also is similar to what people refer to as self-fulfilling prophecies you worry about something happening so much that it ends up yeah. happening you know yeah the worst thing yeah people think, think they're sick end up getting sick yeah exactly you make yourself sick so I, we think we have everything figured out, but I don't think we have anything figured out, man. Science—I don't think yeah. science has anything really figured out. Uh, uh, they
1: probably have some things figured out. I'd give science some credit. Nothing, nothing at all, man. Nothing, yeah, yeah. Gravity, fuck it, you know. It's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> it is, a theory. yeah. That is true. That is true. Is—is is that a a, a pilot G two that you're holding?
0: No, I don't think so. What am I? Let me see. Let what is it that? In the light.
1: This this is is, a, that a velo- is that a velocity from Bic? I love pens. Paper made ink joy. Oh, I love those. They're so smooth. It's really nice. It's
0: very yeah smooth. medium very tip. Smooth. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah. I like that you're a pen person too. Odd pens. Odd pens. We yeah. should make some odd trails pens. That would be interesting.
1: That's a great idea.
0: So yeah, Slenderman, Tulpa. I think that's what's going on in this story i don't i don't necessarily think that it's i'm not saying that it's a Tolba, but i think it's uh, i think it's a slender man case i think yeah i think that's what he encountered but the, the, then there is missing time and missing time is always associated with always always aliens and abductions so mm-hmm. this is this is a hybrid that's what i that's let's call it
1: a hybrid it's the slender man alien a hybrid story okay i like that it's official Anyway, I actually received a message from a listener named Isis after our last episode in regards to the paranormal activity in my house I talked about in the last episode. She suggested that I visit my local botanica and pick up some Palo Santo, open up all my windows, let it burn, and cast out whatever I've got going on. Uh, She says it'll clear everything out, so more to come, I guess. Uh, Thank you for that. But the funny thing is, and maybe this is just reckless, but I I kind of think it's cool. Like, how many people really die from paranormal causes? That's the way I look at it. You know, like, people have, like, heart attacks or strange deaths. But in all actuality, maybe this is just the inner skeptic within me. I don't think a ghost or a spirit is going to get me killed. So... Mm,
0: I don't know about that, I, man. I... There there are some beliefs that are rather convincing about spirits attaching themselves to you like parasites and feeding off of you. And this is what causes things like diseases and chronic pain and things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what that is, but I wouldn't rule that out completely. I think that they're doing a good thing by sending you this stuff. I actually had... Uh, a listener from Let's Not Meet send me some stuff in the mail. They sent me some sage to burn as well as these crystals and rocks. Mm. Uh, I forget what they are, but ever since they sent me these things, nothing but good things have been happening. Sure, a bad thing happens every once in a while, but my life was completely turned around the moment I got these things and kept them really? in my office with me every day while I worked. And my life has improved exponentially ever since I've got these things. So I know we were talking about crystals and stuff before, but uh, I'm not a firm believer, but I'm definitely open to it. I'm definitely open to crystals.
1: You you know what I think on that, since I've already exposed myself as a semi-skeptic, I'm totally on board with that, 100%. I think the power in crystals comes with, and that kind of relates to the tulpa, the manifestation of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't think the crystals themselves... Have any sort of power within their like physical makeup, yeah. whatever. However, I think the intent by having this crystal, by telling yourself that this crystal will ward off negative entities, this will bring joy, luck, prosperity, good vibes. I think that goes a long way, and it's a, a kind kind of like you see people when they pray; they have like prayer beads and whatnot and mm-hmm. rosaries. I, I see crystals like that, and I, that doesn't that doesn't lessen their validity whatsoever. But that's how I see them. I agree, but I, I don't know because I didn't believe in them. I
0: didn't believe in the power <laughs> of crystals when I got them, but it could be placebo. I mean, placebo. We exactly I, I still don't. I don't think there is an explanation to what placebo is. And placebo is really good. Works. Yeah, I think placebo is fine. Placebo is basically <laughs> magic. Yeah, I love placebos. <laughs> It's magic. Yeah, I took this pill and this thing went away. Oh, that was a sugar pill. That was placebo. Can you explain what that was then? Yep. Anyway, um, remember everyone listening, we're just a couple of idiots. We don't know nothing about nothing. No, nope, we're narrators. That's it. Yeah, we're narrators that happen to have a lot of stupid opinions about stuff. So don't take anything we have to say seriously or too close to heart. But... You know, maybe maybe our, our, our conversations here in the outros can give you something to think about during the day, something to talk about with your friends. We appreciate you all for listening and all of your support. This week you have heard The Mirror Man by James, Missing Time in the 90s by Melanie, Sinking in the Floor by Eric, and finally I Hope I Fell Asleep at the Wheel by Serenity Sheer. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, make sure you send it to stories at odd If you want to get access to the ad free version of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best quality listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. And don't forget, we'll be at the Long Beach Convention Center on July 30th for the Midsummer Scream Convention, along with Sapphire Sandalo, Shelby Scott, and others to narrate some creepy stories in person and hang out and meet you all. We're looking forward to it. Don't forget to get your tickets. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Peace out.